Welcome to the Nightmare Emporium. Here we take a deep dive into some grisly tales that are bound to make you lose your head. Now, let's check in with our host, the macabre Marvel herself, to see what she has in store for us this week. <laughs> the Museum just fired from my last job when I saw the ad. I was broke and needed more money to get by and pay my debts, and the local museum was offering $20 an hour to work the night shift. Thinking that this was an offer I couldn't refuse, I picked up the phone and called the museum. After arriving for my first shift, I went into the office only to find a note taped to the monitor. In big blocky letters it said, Rules for the Night Security Guard. I read the list. Rule number one. The doors to Exhibit E are to remain chained and bolted at all times. Never enter Exhibit E under any circumstance. Rule number two. One hour after starting your shift, the power will go out. Leave your office. There will be a trail of red liquid leading to the storage room where you will restore the power. Never leave the trail and never look behind you after leaving your office while the power is out. If the liquid is any color other than red, or leads anywhere that is not the storage room, turn around and go back to the office. The power should return shortly. If the trail is still there after you turn the power on, do not follow it. Rule number three. If the doors to exhibit E are open for any reason, leave the building immediately and return home. If the doors to the building are locked when you try to leave, pray. Not for your safety but that your death is faster than most. Rule number four, the basement is the lowest floor in the building. If there are stairs leading below the basement, look down them. There will be one light bulb and then the stairs turn out of sight. If the stairs match the description and the light is on, ignore them. If the light is out or the stairs do not match the description, grab some raw meat from the break room fridge and throw it down the stairs. Leave the basement immediately after throwing the meat, but never run. Rule number five, be inside your office from 1 to 1.30 a.m. At 1.17, you will hear heavy pounding at the office door. Ignore it. Rule number six, if a camera is pitch black and says it is watching exhibit E, shut the camera off immediately. If it does not turn off, smash the monitor. You will not be charged for replacing it. Rule number seven, if you hear crying coming from the basement, get some salt and pour it at the top of the stairs from one wall to the other with no gaps in the salt. Rule number eight, never use the elevator. Rule number nine, if you enter the office at the start of your shift and your chair is facing the door, walk downstairs and hide in the break room. When the power goes out, repeat the steps in rule number two. Rule number 10, if any light source in the area gains a red tint at any part of the night, cut the power to that entire area for the rest of the night and do not enter that area. If this happens to your office or the break room and you need to hide in either of those places, hide in the storage room. Rule number 11. If the phone starts ringing while the power is out, ignore it. If it rings while the power is on but you hear only static, do not hang up. Leave the phone far away from you. If the caller hangs up while you still have the phone, 
or you still hear static after leaving the phone, exit the building immediately. Follow these rules and you should survive your shift. I laughed, knowing it was just a joke from the guy who worked there before me. Then the power went out. I left the office. There was a red trail leading away from me. I grabbed my phone and turned on my flashlight. It's 9.13pm. It's been a few minutes since I started following the trail. I'm starting to hear whispers from all around me, except from in front of me. I don't think I'm safe. It's 11.24. I got the power back on without incident, then went back to my office. The lights near Exhibit C turned red, so I turned the lights off in there. I went downstairs to grab some coffee and calm my nerves when I noticed some stairs leading down. The stairs went downward, then turned. The light bulb was off. I quickly made my way to the refrigerator in the break room and grabbed some raw steak. I went back to the stairs and hurled the meat down. I started to run, but then I remembered the fourth rule. A searing pain burnt down my leg. I hobbled up the stairs without looking back. It's 2.27 a.m. When I got back to my office, I checked the cameras. I went through the exhibits one by one, checking each for a sign of a break-in. A, B, C, D, E, F, all clear, E. Exhibit E was on one of the cameras. It was pitch black. I hurried to turn it off. The button was jammed. I took off my shoe and hurled it at the monitor. It shattered in a shower of glass. Then the pounding started. Horrid, monstrous pounding. It went on for what felt like hours. It stopped, and it took me half an hour to check outside. There were bloody handprints on the door, as if a man with no skin were pounding on it. It's 4.19 a.m. I saw the elevator open on one of the cameras, but ignored it. I heard crying coming from the basement. Fortunately, the man who wrote the note left some salt with me. I poured it on the stairs, forming a wall, and the crying stopped. I realized then that everything that was written in the rules has happened, except for one thing, which I pray won't. It's 7.38 a.m. I'm back at my apartment, with my first and final paycheck from that wretched museum. After writing my last update, the basement break room lights turned red, and I went upstairs to shut them off when I noticed it. The doors to exhibit E were wide open. I couldn't see inside. There were lights above that shone on the door, but the darkness seemed to form a wall, letting no light through. That was the last straw. I ran as fast and as far as I could out of that museum, and thankfully made it home. I'm never going back there, and I wanted to warn everyone here to avoid shady jobs that pay too well. Another wonderfully frightening tale. Next is a story about the ghastly effects of what seems like an innocent gift in I Was Given a Dollhouse. Megan Anderson was a bright and bubbly soul, not a single strain of aggression or anger. Everyone knew her as Sunshine back in our high school years, a nickname that stuck. It was even engraved on her tombstone. I never knew Megan personally. It was a surprise to see that she left me something in her will. It was a two-foot-by-three-foot Victorian-style dollhouse with a lot of miniature furniture and decorations, each piece purposefully glued into place. I admired the details and aesthetics of the house. 
Inside one of the second floor bedrooms, I could see a small figurine seated at the foot of the bed. The figurine distinctively resembles Megan. In another room on the first floor is another figurine, seated at a dark oak vanity. I peered in the other rooms and found another one in the master bedroom. It was positioned on the bed, the figurines back towards me. I assumed Megan had created small dolls that resembled her family and stationed them throughout the dollhouse. One question remained, though. Where was the figurine for her little sister? I searched the entire dollhouse and didn't find a single figurine that looked like a child. I was about to give up when I noticed a set of stairs that led down into a drawer of the table. I hadn't thought to check the table, but it did come with a dollhouse. I cautiously pulled the drawer open to find an unfinished basement, and there I found the figurine of her little sister. The doll sat at the bottom of the steps, her head buried in her hands, as if she was in the middle of hide-and-seek. A few inches in front of the doll was an odd indentation in the drawer. I touched the indent inside. It had clearly been damaged during the move, I thought to myself, and yet I couldn't shake the feeling of guilt over it. I closed the drawer and took a step back to admire the dollhouse once more before I left my study. I can fix it tomorrow, I mumbled through a yawn. The next day I checked the dollhouse. Something felt off, but I couldn't put my finger on it. I checked all the rooms and noticed that one of the figurines had disappeared. Panicked, I checked all of the rooms and even checked the floor of my study, but I could not find the figurine anywhere. I suspected a mouse had taken it, since there were a few droppings at the table. Disgusted and angry, I made an appointment with my local exterminator and made plans with my friends to go out that night. But the feeling of guilt stuck with me even as I tried to drink the feeling away. My friends noticed my sudden change in mood and offered me a ride home, which I graciously took. A few weeks went by and I completely forgot about the dollhouse. There were so many things going on with my work, I didn't even notice it. More specifically, I didn't notice the appearance of it. One afternoon, I had just returned from a day out with my sister when I took notice of the dollhouse again. I was taken aback by the pale yellow exterior and the white wraparound porch. It seemed smaller, at least I thought it did at the time. I tried to remember what the dollhouse looked like before, but I just couldn't, even if my life had depended on it. Was there always only one figurine? Was it always this atrocious yellow? I tried to pull open the drawer, but the thing was jammed, or maybe it wasn't meant to open. Another few weeks went by, and I forgot about the dollhouse again. I was so caught up with the fact that I had lost my job, I started to binge drink, and I lost all motivation. Something that day made me get out of bed and straight to my study. I looked around the room and sighed. There was no reason for me to keep all of these office appliances. Besides, I really needed the money. I noticed the dollhouse that resembled my home, down to the tiniest detail. From my initials deeply carved into the hand railing of the porch, to the cracked picture frame on my desk, there was an even smaller version of the dollhouse and I in the study room. My figurine was even peering into the dollhouse. A little creeped out, I called up Megan's mother, 
but the phone went straight to voicemail. A little more concerned, I tried their house phone, and there was no answer there either. I was just about to call her little sister when a piece of paper fell from underneath the table the dollhouse sat on. I leaned down and picked it up. The words were barely legible. If you want the bad things to go away, send this dollhouse to a stray. I furrowed my brow in confusion and felt goosebumps form on my skin. How did the note get there? I thought as I looked around the room. There was no way someone could get into the house. I kept the windows and doors locked at all times. Maybe Megan put it there? But why would she do something like this? I brushed the note off and continued to drink my problems away. I didn't make the connection until I received a link on Facebook about the Andersons. Each family member had suddenly disappeared, the same way Megan had. Not a single trace of them. Only a single note was left. Everything bad has sent away. They are no longer strays. I quickly scoured my study for the note. I held the note next to my phone and noticed the handwriting was exactly the same. So, this is my will. I saved it onto my laptop, and I'm sure my parents or the police will search my laptop first. Gabriel Fisher, I bestow this dollhouse to you. If you read this, I urge you to immediately pass it on to someone else. And I'm sorry. Well, well, wasn't that just a scream? Until next time, our fiendish friends. Remember to stay scared, and sometimes it's more than just a story. <laughs>